Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Breaking Math fans. Are you an astronaut farmer? Do you love space travel? Or do you just want to know how to predict what an object in space is going to do next? Do you want to impress that beau that likes Einstein and your poster of him with his tongue out just isn't cutting it? Then you'll love the Breaking Math Tensor poster. If you have that already, or you're just more of a t-shirt or sticker person, they also have a Redbubble store with fun designs and more coming soon. I just got an analog binary clock with curving stripes to show the ones and zeros that makes the perfect addition to any office, classroom, or laboratory. Breaking Math has a fun TNT shirt for all you chemists. So get on that device and find the most mathematical holiday presents. Facebook.com slash Breaking Math Podcast and Redbubble.com slash People slash Breaking Math Pod for all the t-shirts, stickers, and that fun binary clock. I'm Sophia, and you're listening to Problem Episode 11, Feeling Lucky. It's all about the St. Petersburg Paradox and a few other things. Uh, but before I go on, I want to introduce uh, my guest for today. Uh, she's a new guest. Uh, she hasn't been on before. Millicent Oriana. Uh, thank you for being on. Thank you for having me on. My name is Millicent Oriana, the host of a new podcast that actually just came out today called Nerd Forensics. And you can find it on any streaming service that you found this great podcast on. And uh, this is also a project of basically the or- or- overarching uh, organization that um, uh, Breaking Math is part of, right? Santa Fe Trail Media. It's going to be the second uh, uh, regular podcast, right? Yes, it's going to be the second regular podcast. Um, although where you're going to discuss things like probabilities and stuff, I'm going to discuss the probability of whether or not, you know, I liked a movie. <laughs> It kind of it sounds fun though. I mean, I've been on a couple of episodes uh, during uh, getting uh, ready. I mean, uh, do you want to give a little bit of an idea of uh, what's uh, what, what listeners will have in store? Oh, absolutely. And she's right about it being fun. I mean, it's a regular pizza party. Our first episode is about whether or not Batman's a fascist, and that one was fun to record. Uh, we also have other topics. Um, we're going to talk bad about movies that are identical to other movies for one reason or another. We're going to have episodes where we chronicle the worst ideas executives ever had. We're going to talk about the worst movies to come out in the last hundred years. And so four episodes, that's two uh, full-length episodes and two uh, mini-sodes of your podcast are out now streaming wherever you find uh, podcasts. So whatever you're listening on now, whether it be uh, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, uh, go check out uh, Millicent Oriana's podcast. 
And if you have friends that aren't too into math, but like to hear somebody rant about Power Rangers, send them my way. All right, Millie, have you heard of the gambler's fallacy? I have heard the term, but to say I actually know what it is would be, uh, be a slap to the face to all you fine math folks. <laughs> so basically, imagine, imagine, okay, you know how like in uh, Dungeons and Dragons when you roll a d20, if you roll like um, five ones in a row, it's like, oh, come on, how is this giving me so many ones? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you'll throw your dice and you'll claim they're cursed and demand somebody else's dice and all sorts of other stuff. Yeah, and the fact that people think dice are cursed points, I think, I think you'll agree towards a big psychological component of uh, randomness, right? Yeah, I mean, it's also really, really frustrating, though, when you keep rolling ones. Oh, yeah, and then you think it's, it must be due for something that isn't a one is what the brain automatically starts thinking, right? And then you roll a four. <laughs> but um there's actually um so that that is what the gambler's fallacy is though it's believed by some gamblers that if something occurs many times it's less likely to occur in the future or uh, vice versa it's hot streaks cold streaks uh, that's why why people think they game uh um what are those uh, trust up vending machines called oh slot machines slot machines yeah one arm bandits they're also known oh yeah and now I think you'll be interested in this story that happened August 18th, 1913. A roulette ball fell on black 26 times in a row. Yeah, it makes sense that that's been documented for over 100 years. I mean, that is, that is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. The chances of this happening are 1 in 66.6 million. And people lost more than they did on average by a lot betting against black more and more as the ball kept falling on black more and more people didn't want to bet on black so they kept betting on red but the house therefore won more and uh more yeah and you know two people came out thrilled and the rest of them lost their shirts and this falls into a whole uh group of uh fallacies like statistical fallacies um, another uh, one of them being that like it's related to this one that like basically any betting system that has random stuff involved, as long as the house ever has an edge, there's no betting system that you could use that will make you money in the long term. However, I think you have a fun story about uh, about uh, Fallout 4 and how you were able to game the system. Uh, it was actually New Vegas, but yeah. New Vegas. Uh, if you have a low luck in the game, there's a, there's a trophy called the Courier that broke the bank where you get kicked out of every casino in the game. For me, I was able to uh, save in a spot, and I'm sure everybody else who's ever done this has done the exact same thing, where you play blackjack, and if you're up, you save. If you're down, you go back to your original point, and you just keep doing that. If you haven't, try it out. It takes a little bit of time, but it's the quickest way I've found to get that trophy. Yeah, I mean, this points to this idea, obviously, of like you can't really trick... Um slot machines and uh, I mean you said it mostly works on uh, blackjack but you, you can't really trick these games without time travel no, no 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 it doesn't work without the hard save yeah unless you said you're like the luckiest uh, person in the game oh uh, yeah if you like you have a luck stat and you have to raise that to like a 10 didn't you play a character that had um, really high luck but like really low like everything else uh, they had low intelligence they had really high luck they had a decent amount of strength and they were they were they were modeled after Homer, like from The Simpsons. They were literally modeled after Homer Simpson. And uh, oh, the charisma was incredibly high too. It was great. All right, have you heard of the St. Petersburg game? 
I have not heard of the St. Petersburg game. Is that anything like Russian roulette? Um, nope, it isn't. But we will be talking about Russian roulette in a moment. I like that we're talking about this as though we don't know like that Russian roulette's about to happen. Cause it's the magic of radio kind of stuff. But anyway, we start with a pot of $2, right? The house has $2. All right. You flip a coin over and over again. If it lands on heads, then you get whatever's in the pot. If it lands on tails, then you double what's in the pot. And then eventually just gets what's in the pot. So what would be the fair amount to charge uh, someone to play a game like this is the question to this very strange game. Well, nothing, because it honestly sounds like somebody's setting you up for a grift where they just knock you out after all your money's on the table. Oh, I know. And I mean, one of the reasons why you got that sense is because, I mean, there's a one in two chance that I'll come out with $2, right? Yeah. So, uh, and then there's a one in four chance that I'll come out with $4, one in eight chance of $8 and so on, right? Minus what I bet. Yeah. Like, so the house either, it's either a, a, a fast talking con or it's one of those you get conked in the head after you win enough. And what's uh, what's fascinating about this is that, um, well, because because like you know you have one and a half times two plus one and a quarter times four, the amount the amount that someone is expected to win on this is infinity. So it's interesting that you and pretty much everyone else thinks that it's kind of a raw deal. This game. Now I wrote a simulator that plays this game over and over again. Um, I'm gonna show you uh, the base uh, St. Petersburg thing. So all this does is it plays it uh, one time. So you stake $10, you win eight, you net uh, minus $2. Make sense? Stake two, you win eight, minus two. No, no, you stake 10. Stake 10, you win eight. And then so, uh, so you walk out with two less than you started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's either, it was either a grift or a way to get a knife shoved in your ribs. <laughs> and so, but let's try this out though real quick with, um, let's do 10 games in a row. Of uh, ten time uh, of uh, t betting ten dollars each time, you'll see that we got net negative negative sixty, negative ten, negative fifty two. As l pretty much as long as I do this, I don't get positive. Oh, I got a couple of positive numbers, right? Yeah, you got two positives, but most of them are negatives, right? Yeah. So it seems like it's still a bad idea in the long run, right? Oh yeah, unless you're going with like millions upon millions of dollars or thousands upon thousands of dollars. Oh yeah, right. So that's exactly what we've done. And okay, so let's say let's say that every time you play uh this game, right, you play it one hundred total times. All right. You bet and you bet ten dollars each time. Let's see where that gets us. So it says out of a thousand series of games with hundred plays each, there were four hundred and fourteen wins and five hundred and eighty six losses. The wins are significant enough to outweigh the losses when they're around fifty percent, right? Yeah. And what's weird is that the more the more I do this for, so like if I have a if I play the game a thousand times each, then I win about 80% of the time. If I do it with 10,000 games each... You're going to win about 90% of the time? 99.9% .9 of the time. So gambling is a way of benefiting the rich and punishing the poor. I mean, yes, absolutely. Which is also why this game would not be played. Because this game actually does not benefit the house. Because, since, since, because even though you take millions of times to win, the house can do probably millions of games within a few you know, years, right? Oh, yeah. So it's going to lose. It's going to be playing against kind of like one virtual person, right, this whole time. That's why I assume this was played in a back alley where when you win, the house shoves a knife in your ribs. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a real game, and you, you had a good instinct for that. <laughs> yeah, like the, one of the um, variations on how to resolve this paradox um, comes with uh, how long you have to live 
to do this. Another resolution comes with the fact that you need more money than is available probably on Earth to win uh, as much as we demonstrated here. And again, if you're dumb enough to play this game, you're probably following somebody into a scary alley to play it. The amount that you're expect, you're, you can expect to win um, only goes up by a fixed amount every time you double the house, um, the, the, the amount that the house can possibly bet uh, give you. So that also shows that, like, I mean, if you double something 100 times, you've got a ton of stuff, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like if you fold a piece of paper 100 times, it'll reach far past the moon. Is it 100? I thought it was more than 100. Uh, let's do the math. Yeah, it'd actually be more kilometers than... Um, actually, how many kilometers is that? Let's yeah, let's see. Say it's a big piece of paper, though, right? Uh, no, it's a 0.1 millimeters thick. And if you fold it in half over and over again, like if you were able to cut it in half over and over and stack the pieces up on top of each other... Um, let's see, how much is a light year? 13 billion light years. If you, hold, if you fold it a piece of a Bible paper in half 100 times. Really? Yep. <laughs> Exponential growth. Which is weird because that's what Moore's, Moore's law, you know, uh, governing how many transistors there, I mean, active components there are in a computing device follows. And that's why on my show we're proponents of witch burnings. We start hearing this kind of stuff and we just, we freak out. Just throwing that out there if you like a fun time. I do recommend your podcast. <laughs> yeah, we don't actually burn witches. We haven't done that in about three weeks. And actually, let's uh, real quick, let's segue back over um, to your uh, podcast. And I, I just want to mention to uh, our listeners, it does have a more of a mature, um, what do you call it, subject matter than breaking math. Uh, it has, I mean, we bleeped out the swears, but, you know, they're swears. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we talk bad about some celebrities and, you know, it's really just us having a good time and really being human. Well, while, <laughs> while following a structure, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah we follow a structure don't don't worry about that we uh we actually uh we have subjects we have topics we discuss them we might get a little off track but we do discuss them have you ever wondered which presidents would fare best in a 46 person battle royale have you ever stayed up all night asking who would win the ninja turtles or the thundercats have you ever stayed up wondering if Batman is a fascist? Don't worry, there's hope. Nerd Forensics. Nerd Forensics is not a cult, nor is it an alternative to any traditional form of medicine. Nerd Forensics is a podcast designed to help you unwind and laugh. So listen to Nerd Forensics, available anywhere you get this podcast. Warning, this podcast may contain some content not suitable for all listeners. If you feel like this may be you, then consult your parents. If you consult your parents, you're probably too young for the show. Hey folks, it's your buddy Zuzax here to tell you again about Brilliant. Brilliant is an amazing asset for continuing your education or just brushing up on basics. If you're listening to this show, I'm sure you love learning. Maybe you've already used Brilliant. Well, did you know it also makes an amazing gift for the holiday season? Do you need another Christmas present for Grandma who loves a challenge and you feel guilty about getting her another Sudoku book? Do you need a Kwanzaa present for your dungeon master? Make sure he can crush you and your party with a course in applied probability. Educational gifts are the tradition. Maybe you want a Hanukkah present for your grandchild that they can use for the rest of their life. Brilliant can offer all those things. So don't worry about getting beat up this Black Friday over that new toy. Go to brilliant.org slash breaking math. The first 200 listeners get 20% off. And to everyone listening, have a happy, brilliant holiday. 
Hey, Breaking Math fans. First, I want to thank you for listening. I have an important message for everyone. You can start your own podcast right now with Anchor. Anchor lets you create and distribute your own podcast. Just get an idea, record, and upload. It's just that easy. Anyone can do it. I'm on my way to accomplishing my dream, and you can too. Just get on your device's app store and download Anchor. It contains everything you need to make a podcast. With Anchor, you can put your podcast on all the big platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and more. Reach the whole world with Anchor. Best of all, Anchor is free. You have nothing to lose with a free platform. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, now we're going to talk about Russian roulette. And um, Millie, do you kind of want to give the cultural background about Russian roulette? Ah, now is Millie's time to shine. That's why you had me on the show. The first mentionings of it can be found in a story from 1840 called The Fatalist by Mikhail Lermontov. And I'm probably not pronouncing that right. I do apologize to any Russian listeners we have. If you would like to send me some tips on how to pronounce things, you can at nerdforensics at gmail.com. It was actually about a man named Grigory Alexandrovich Pichuruin, who explains to everyone that there is no predespo- uh, uh, predestination and no purpose. So he proposes a bet, emptying about 20 gold pieces into a table. And a lieutenant, a uh, dragoon, actually tells him that he's captivated by the bet. The man loves gambling. Uh, man was named uh, Volik, I believe. Volik. Volik. And uh, basically, Volik took his bet, cocked the pistol back, dumped out some powder, and said nobody can tell if it's loaded or not. Pointed it up to his head pulled the trigger, and the percussion cap didn't go off, which is an extreme case of luck because immediately afterward, he pointed it up in the air and fired a bullet through the top of the train. And that wasn't common in the 1840s for percussion caps not to go off? Uh, he had like a one in three chance of it not going off. And for our uh, listeners who aren't familiar with firearms, uh, what's a percussion cap? Okay, um, anybody who knows what those, you know, those little cap guns that uh, American kids had, you know, the little like cowboy guns that pop, 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 Oh, yeah, I had one as a kid. smoke and everything. So you use one of those caps in the gun, those little, like, round caps. That thing is actually loaded into a musket. That's where they came from. And uh, the hammer would set that off, which would ignite the charge, which would cause the bullet to go off. Gotcha. And and uh, so and as the story goes, um, uh, he fired at his head. It went click, fired in the sky, and it went boom. Yeah, and it wasn't like a revolving cylinder. It's not the Russian roulette we know nowadays. This was like a much, much higher likeliness of him being killed instantly. Pointing the gun at your head and pulling the trigger, definitely kill you four times out of five. Way closer, like 98% chance. I mean, it's it's really uncommon for uh, uh, a gun not to go off when you pull the trigger. Gotcha. So then uh, the story jumps forward a little bit, right? Yeah, and from there we go into the 1930s. When it was actually mentioned, and it's the much more uh, the much more common what we know nowadays. Georges uh, Serdet, I believe, uh, he was born in Switzerland. He was of French descent, and he was a um, he was a uh, American writer who, in 1937, uh, had a quote from a short story called Russian Roulette, and this was the quote: "Did you ever hear of Russian Roulette? When I said I had not, he told me all about it." When he was with the Russian army in Romania around 1917 and things were cracking up, 
so that their officers felt that they were not only losing prestige, money, family, and country, but were also being dishonored before their colleagues of the Allied armies. Some officer would suddenly pull out his revolver anywhere at the table, in a cafe, at a gathering of friends, and remove a cartridge from the cylinder, spin the cylinder, snap it back in place, put it to his head, and pull the trigger. There were five chances to one that the hammer would set off a live cartridge and blow his brains all over the place. So, still different from what we know today. Yeah, because it's everything but one in the chamber, right? Yes. So, it's a 90% chance of dying. Oh, yeah. Well, that'd be a 10%. Uh, that'd be a gun with uh, 10 chambers. With a gun with six chambers, it'd be a uh, 84% chance. I was also assuming we were talking about a five-shot revolver. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was wrong. It would be 80 if you had a five-shot revolver. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And um, how, and uh, do you want to go uh, over what a revolver is just in case anybody needs to know? Okay. Anybody who's unfamiliar with firearms, a uh, revolver is... The old standard cowboy guns, the ones with the rotating cylinder on the inside, they carry between three and eight shots are the max that a revolver usually will carry. Um, They're the ones that don't have the magazine that drops out of the bottom, like when you uh, uh, empty out the gun. The handguns that, you know, you pull open and they have that round part that you load the bullets into manually, that's a revolver. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Awesome. So, So anyway, continue. Didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no problem. Uh, The term itself actually comes from the spinning of the cylinder, like a roulette wheel. Um, And over time, it became more and more common. It became more well-known. There was actually an explosion of incidents after the story was written. Uh, The second story, right? Yeah, the second story. The uh, the story titled Russian Roulette. Um, The first notable case of it was in 1946, a legal case with the Commonwealth versus Malone, where a Pennsylvania teenager was convicted of murder Because him and his friends were playing a variation they called Russian poker, where they fired at one another instead of firing at their own heads. I hear a lawyer just screaming, just being like, you've added fault. (laughs) Exactly, because if they had just pointed it at themselves, that kid would have never gotten locked up. Although it would be the other kid uh, who'd be alive. Probably. <laughs> Assuming they started with the same person. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, another really, really notable incident is uh, Malcolm X, actually, famously would tell an anecdote when he, was, uh, when he was a criminal during the time that he was a burglar to show his partners he wasn't afraid to die. He would play Russian roulette with himself. Uh, according to a, uh, Alex Haley, though, he actually would palm the bullet. Uh, who's Alex Haley? Alex Haley is actually, he was the writer of uh, the, the, the biography on Malcolm X that was turned into a film. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, you also have other famous incidents, including blues musician Johnny Ace, anybody who cares for music, actually killed himself on December 25th, 1994. He put the gun to his face and shot himself. The Washington Post has attributed this to Russian roulette. Interesting. Graham Greene related in his first autobiography, A Sort of Life, that he used to play Russian roulette. Uh, one of my absolute uh, favorite things, though, The Deer Hunter, actually a 1978 film, depicted GIs playing Russian roulette with one another. And if you haven't seen the movie, it's pretty good. Uh, it actually caused a bunch of kids in the 70s to start playing Russian roulette. No. And prosecutors wanted to, like, you know, prosecute somebody in the production of the movie for it. Because that was all the vogue back then. Oh, yeah. 
Um, another famous case, and this is sorry to you know tragic up the the mood here, but in 1973 on July 24th, a Dallas police officer decided to interrogate two children by playing Russian roulette with them, and uh, one of the children wound up dead. Dad, yeah, that's not that's not great. I don't even understand that strategy. I don't either. Um, another famous incident in the 80s, an actor, a bodybuilder by the name of John Eric Hexum was playing Russian roulette with a 44 Magnum revolver loaded with fake bullets. The force of it caused his skull to fracture. Oh, geez. Yeah, and it, it, fatal, it was a fatal incident. I mean, it's, it goes to show the probability of Russian roulette is not good to either player. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I mean unless, you pl- unless you stop the game before it's over, someone dies, right? <laughs> Somebody always dies, yeah. Um, I mean, if you're doing it with like... Uh, I mean, there are variants you can play for fun. There's actually one called the Beer Hunter, named after the Deer Hunter, where you take six cans of beer, you shake one up, and you basically spin them around on a Lazy Susan or something like that, and whoever picks up the shook up one is a loser. That's why you spin it as fast as possible so that they're all shaken up. No, I'm just kidding. Well, that would also work too. Then everybody loses. So we've established that there's basically... A- you know, 100% chance of dying, but how much and for whom? So we're going to talk about uh, two variations of the game, right? Yes. The, the first variation of the game that we're going to talk about is uh, where you spin it every single time. Uh, so you, you go uh, spin, click, spin, click, spin, pow, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Spin once, fire once, spin once, fire once. Exactly. So as you might imagine, uh, the chance that, that, that it goes off on the first one is, uh, is higher than any other one, right? Uh, one would assume. Yeah, because you have to get past that one. Uh, so the, the so the second so the first person has a one, chance of one in six. The second person has a chance of one in six times five in six, because there's a five in six chance that uh, they got to this point. Do you understand? Yes. Uh, which is about a thirteen percent chance. Then it, about eleven point five percent chance that it goes off on the third one. Eleven point six percent chance that it goes off on the third one. Uh, Nine point six that it goes off on the fourth one, and so on. But um, th- that doesn't account for th- your lifetime chance of dying, right? So, like, so I asked the question: What if you have like five players um, with a revolver with a certain number of bullets, or like a certain number of players, certain number of bullets, and you just keep going until um, someone dies? So, uh, what's what are your predictions for this? Well, I predicted that you're gonna ruin my plans for New Year's. I am terrified of your plans for, for New Year's, but no. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, play a Russian roulette using this program that I also wrote. So, uh, how many bullets in the gun? Let's um, let's start with let's start with five. All right, five bullets in the gun. Uh, Want to do two players? Yeah, we'll do two players with five bullets in a gun. All right. So, player player one has uh, about a fifty-five point six percent chance of uh, dying. And the player two has about a 44.44% chance. And the reason why it's higher is because a player one has the probability, the, f- the probability of the first bullet plus the third bullet plus the fifth bullet. And the second player has the probability of the second plus the fourth plus the sixth, right? Yeah. So they're all less numbers. So the sum of them is going to be less, right? Yes. But that just turns out that, that if you go first, you're, um, you're 25% more likely to die than player one. You mean player two? Uh, player two, yes. Yeah, I was going to say player one went first, though. So the, the trick is to convince somebody to go first. Oh, yeah. But if you have enough uh, chambers in your bullet, uh, 
uh, you, there's less of a need to. So one, uh, so let's do. You said there's as low as three chambers. Yeah, as low as three and as high as eight. So let's do three. You have a sixty percent chance of dying um, if you're the first player, and a forty percent chance of dying if you're the second player. Okay, so, so a three shot revolver is the way to go. <laughs> and if there were such thing as a two shot revolver, you'd be twice as likely to, uh, to die as the first person. Wow. But yeah, let's uh, and let's do it the other way around. Uh, eight shot revolver. Um, you're only uh, you're fourteen percent more likely to die than player one. Let's say you modified a Gatling gun. How many uh, barrels does a Gatling gun have? Oh, um, depends on what we're exactly talking. The uh, standard Maxim machine gun, though, from the 1800s, I believe, had uh, 10 barrels. Oh, okay. Well, I guess it's... Well, let's just say that you had something even more than that, like some kind of fancy 36-shot revolver. Yeah, some crazy giant cylinder. Yeah. Then you're only 2.9% more likely to die as the first person. Really? Well, I guess, yeah, actually a good way to do this, you could load a jackhammer shotgun with um, all a bunch of uh, fake rounds except for one real round. And I guess that's how you could do it. <laughs> Although you'd have, to, uh, you'd have to reload them every single time. Oh, yeah, if we're doing the constantly spinning thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, um, and uh, let me just show you a few more simulations. So if we're doing a three-shot revolver and we have five players, uh, player one is going to die... Uh, 38.4% of the time uh, versus player five only die about 7.58% of the time. So you're actually about five times as likely to die as player five and as player one. Wow. And also, I mean, being the last player in a game of Russian roulette also usually makes you the last player to die because you usually leave after you watch the first person die. (laughs) And uh, I decided to I decided to uh, pl- uh, figure out the formula for this, and uh, I used a Wolfram Alpha and a good old fashioned pen and paper. If your player K out of P players and your gun can hold n bullets, then your lifetime chance of dying is n minus one to the K minus one, times n to the P minus K, all over uh, quantity n to the P minus n minus one to the P. And uh, uh, what a, con- a consequence is that of this is that if you have um, uh, infinity players and the same number of bullets that a gun can col- get, gun can hold, the ratio of the lifetime probability of dying from the first player to the last player, quote unquote last player, um, approaches E, which is uh, uh, just a fun little math fact. If anybody wants to tell me why, please write in. Um, and uh, if you get it right, if you're for the first person to get it right, rather, you'll win a free poster. So uh, do you want to uh, plug in any, um, any more uh, numbers into the simulation? Sure. Let's have eight players with an eight-shot revolver. Let's see what that does. You have a, about a 20% chance if you're player one versus about 7.5% chance if you're player eight. So you're about two and a half times as likely. I'd take those odds if I was player one. Two and a half, but, but you're still 150% more likely to die. Yeah, but I like the way that 19.04 looks. It really, really puts me at comfort. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is why I don't go to casinos, folks. The short-lived podcast, uh, Nerd Forensics, ended when Millicent Oriana decided to play Russian Roulette. She decided it would be, quote, a gas because she talks like it's the 60s. No, she doesn't. No, she's right. I talk like some sort of weird hillbilly that climbed out of a time machine. Listen to Nerd Forensics and you'll find out. Now, let's say you spin it once at the start. Who do you think has the highest chance of dying? 
That's a very good question. I'd say if you spin it one time, it's still going to be player one. Believe it or not, everyone has the same chance of dying. Really? Yeah. And the reason why is uh, pretty subtle. So let's say you have a six-shot revolver, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the average, right? Or is it five? Uh, average is six. All right. So uh, the, Depending on the size. Small revolvers tend to have five. All right. So let's say it's a six-shot revolver. The first person has a one in six chance of dying, right? Yeah. Now, the second person... Uh, and, and that's because there's six chambers that we haven't tested, so any one of them could be the bullet. Now, if they survive, there's only uh, five chambers that we have to um, care about, right? Yeah. So there's only a one in five chance of... Uh, there's actually a one in five chance of you pulling the trigger, um, but there's only a five in six chance of you getting there. Yeah, five in six times... Uh, one in five is still one in six. And the next person, same thing. Um, they have a one in four chance of dying uh, from uh, their shot, uh, but only if the person before them didn't die, which is a uh, five, a four and five chance, and only if the person before them didn't die, which is a five and six chance. So then it's still one in six. Imagine being the last two people. Oh, I know. Being like, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm consoled only by the idea that you had the same probability as me when we started. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Imagine also hearing a click as number six. You just hear click. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> and let's say you have a six-shot revolver and you're playing this game with seven people. You're, what's your chances of dying as a seventh person? Zero. Yeah, because somebody's going to die before you. So, yeah. Hmm. Okay, I really should not get ideas based on morbid conversations. Oh, I mean, what ideas could you even get from that? I mean, I know you. Never mind. You could get ideas. Use them in your video game world. I was going to say, if I convince six, you know, absolute goobers to play Russian roulette with me, I could just make sure I go last. And what, it'll be a taunting? <laughs> uh, yeah. I see. Yeah, it's a taunting. Uh, and if for those of the listeners who don't know, a tontine is where you bet on the last person to survive and they get all the bets of everyone who didn't. It's also illegal in the United States because of the likelihood of it provoking a murder or two. So that was this uh, pretty short but hopefully fun episode of uh, Breaking Math, this problem episode. Uh, with me, I had on uh, Millie Oriana um, and you're on Twitter, right? Yes, I, I'm on Twitter. I'm going to be on Twitter at Camp Pod Millie. That's K, or Camp with a K. And I'm on Twitter at uh, SciPod Sophia, Sophia with an F. And Breaking Math is on Twitter at Breaking Math Pod. Um, thanks, everyone. And uh, go check out Nerd Forensics. It's a blast. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.